they do a little bit of social, it doesn't work. They do a little bit of SEO, it doesn't work. And the reality is, is that if you just kind of do a little bit of a lot of things, like nothing's gonna work. You have to actually really kind of dedicate yourself to something. Hello, everyone, and welcome to No Fat Cats. I'm your host, Wesley Dean. Welcome to another episode with Dave Snyder. Dave Snyder started Ninja Outreach, and it was a company that he created while backpacking around the world. And um, I didn't know that was possible, but he managed to make it happen where he created an influencer marketing and analysis platform where people could connect with potential influencers who would be good fits for their company, their brand. In this episode, though, we talk about what that process was like and then how he sold the company and then moved on to creating another shortlist.io. It's a, a marketing agency. But through the process, we dive into a topic that I've really been thinking about a lot lately, and that is the pendulum almost between branding and clarity, where if you work in a, in a space such as like fashion or, you know, items that are fairly simple, you know, branding is extremely important. Everyone knows what a shoe is, but if you don't understand the feelings and have that sense of connection to it, then you're not as likely to buy it. However, on the other hand, if you create a product that's a little more complicated to understand, that maybe it's a complicated service, if people don't have that clarity first on what it is that you do, they're not going to be able to connect to what you do and how you're going to help them. Because at the end of the day, everyone wants to know how you're going to help them survive and thrive. And so we dive into that distinction between the two. But at the same time, for them and their company, once people understand what you do, there are definitely branding elements that are really important. So in his case with Dave, he talks about how Ninja Outreach was in fact kind of a startup that was that was kind of hustling a little bit and people really gravitated towards that fun story uh, to begin with where they're rooting for the small guy who was creating this awesome service going up against the, the big players out there. So without further ado, here's my interview with Dave. Hey, Dave, thanks so much for being on the podcast. I know I'm really excited to dive into your story and hear a little bit about you know, what you're doing. So thanks for being on the show. No, thanks for having me, Wesley. All right. Well, I know you have a, an interesting story that definitely has a, a detour that involves, I think, about five years of backpacking around the world. But, but before we jump into that, you know, tell, I know you started a company called Ninja, Ninja Marketing, and, or Ninja Outreach, sorry. And I'd love to get a little bit about you know, what was that like and what was it like to start a company and how did you get to that, that spot? Yeah, I, I, starting Ninja Outreach was one of the highlights of, of my life so far, to be totally honest. Uh, it was a software business. It was influencer marketing software. Um, and I'm not a, a software engineer or developer by trade. Um, so I'm just a marketer, a, a lowly marketer. So I thought um, it was a little bit out of place, I guess, for me to kind of you know start this business. But I uh, connected with, uh, with a guy named Mark Sams over a podcast, kind of like this. Uh, we were just chatting and we were kicking around ideas and, and we had an idea for sort of a content promotion, um, influencer marketing type of platform, something we didn't think existed. Um, and he had a friend who was a developer. And so the three of us kind of got together and started working on this project. Um, and you know, that this was back in like 2013. Uh, and we basically spent months developing the beta product, um, launched it in January of 2014. After about six months, we had kind of been, trying to create as much buzz as possible, uh, you know, emailing people, getting on phone calls, things like that. And uh, everybody hated it, uh, basically. It was, a, it was a desktop application that only worked with Windows. Uh, and it was just, and it only accepted PayPal. So there was so many barriers to entry. 
uh, with the software. But we decided to kind of keep going with it anyway because we hadn't spent so long like uh, working on the idea. Um, and just very little by little, you know, month after month, we started to kind of get a customer here, get a customer there, get some people that were interested, made a little bit of money. We brought on another developer, a marketer, and essentially, you know, it grew into this 20-person team, um, you know, total remote team. Um, and I ran it for about four years with Mark, and then eventually we sold it in March of 2018. And, and so with Ninja Outreach, you know, what was the biggest problem that you ran into as you were thinking about developing that, the service? When we were initially developing the service, um, there were so many problems. Uh, obviously, we had made just a lot of wrong decisions. I mentioned we made a desktop app instead of a web application. We made it only for Windows instead of both. I mean, there were reasons why we ended up go- we, we made those decisions because we already had like an existing desktop product, and so we kind of wanted to build off of that. So it wasn't like we were just totally idiots, but definitely made some poor decisions. Um, however, even beyond that, uh, it, it was... It was intended to be an innovative product that didn't exist on the market, but there certainly were other products that were similar to some extent, Buzzstream, Incubee. And so when we just first launched the product, um, there was just so much uh, features and things that people wanted and expected because they already had other apps that they were comparing it to. And that whole idea of like the minimum viable product and things is a little bit um, maybe incorrect or, you know, it just doesn't make sense when there are already products on the market. People have them to compare and they think, well, why would I go with yours when I can go with this one? So there was just a lot of ground that we had to cover. Um, and it was a bootstrap business, so we were paying all of it out of our own pockets. And the business for quite a while was not like making enough money to actually pay the team and things like that. So it was just really, really slow, um, a lot of upfront work and, and money. And uh, just, just we just had so much ground to cover, essentially. Okay. And so I know with the program, it allowed, you know, it focuses a lot on, if I understand, on like influencer marketing in terms of finding people who are influencers to help you in, in your business. Yeah, that's right. Um, the, the premise was influencer marketing. So uh, this has you know, become very trendy over the last few years. Um, people have built audiences online via Instagram or their blog or something like that. And businesses and brands who want to kind of promote their products but don't have the same level of audience want to find an influencer to kind of connect with them to help them kind of uh, promote um, what, what they're working on. Uh, so we were trying to create a software that would facilitate this. Um, people use it for all different sorts of, uh, of things though. Sometimes people use it for sales. Sometimes people use it for more SEO link building types of uh, campaigns. Uh, but the core, you know, what was always supposed to be influencer marketing. Uh, we had basically a database of bloggers and influencers that we developed from kind of crawling the web. Um, and then we kind of organized it into a platform where people could see the important metrics about an influencer and then organize them in the different lists and then eventually launch a campaign uh, via email to kind of get in touch with that influencer and basically, uh, you know, broker some sort of a deal. Nice. And so would you guys make money for having the, kind of the pricing or when that connection happened? Where, where were that where were those points? The... The uh, monetization was based purely on subscription. So basically people paid a monthly subscription, a typical SaaS model to have access to the platform. Uh, we didn't take any commission off of the way the, uh, the businesses work with the bloggers or anything like that. Okay, no, that, that sounds interesting. And then where do you think influencer marketing you know, is going? I mean, to what extent, I, mean, I know I've heard a lot about it when it comes to, you know, yes, if you don't have an audience developed, why don't you just tap into an influencer to be able to, push, you know, help spread your message or, or sell a product. 
how, how much do you think people should be doing that right now as a part of their strategy? It really depends on the business and some, some businesses are just not really meant for influencer marketing. Um, they may not, there may not be influencers in their, in their, uh, their business. They might run like a plastic molding company or something like that. Uh, and there are just not really those types of influencers on, on Instagram. Um, certain, you know, niches like fashion and travel, uh, kind of stand well above the rest as, as really prime spots for influencer marketing. Um, and in those niches, I think that influencer marketing is, is here to stay for quite a while. Um, I think that, you know, there's a push to maybe have more analytics, accountability, uh, because uh, a brand might buy a post on Instagram or a post on a blog and they'll pay a flat rate. And it's not exactly clear always kind of like what value they're getting, you know, how many people are really kind of buying and things like that. Um, so I think there's a little bit of, of robustness that needs to be added to influencer marketing. Um, but I do think that the general premise of, you know, somebody has built up an audience and a brand kind of has a product and they need that audience um, is, is basically uh, kind of going to be here for a while. Oh, and, and I am curious. So I, I've been thinking through kind of this dynamic for, for a little while and the, there, there's always that difference of, do you need branding? Like, do you need more branding or do you need more clarity in terms of what you actually do? How much do you think it's important for if you have a simple product, like everyone knows what a shirt is or everyone knows, you know, what shoes are, um, you don't have to explain shoes, but for those products in order to be successful, you do almost need to have more branding, more of a story behind it rather than, for example, a consumer, a business product that the businesses are using where people not like you use the, the example of plastic molding. Someone might not know like what a plastic molding is, how you use it. In that case, you don't necessarily need a big branding campaign. What you need is more an, a lead magnet or explanation of, of what, how you actually use one and why you need it. Yeah, I think you nailed it. I mean, there are certain businesses where clarity is, is sort of what's needed. They need to kind of educate the market as to why they need uh, what they have, um, which is a really difficult undertaking, by the way. If people are not even really sure why they need your product, it's going to be difficult to sell to them, but it is possible. Um, on the other hand, you know, with consumer products, I think um, nowadays, I think people are kind of privileged to just have so many different choices between like what shirts and shoes they buy, for example, that they're looking for uh, a story about uh, the way it was produced, about where the proceeds go, about um, what makes this product really superior uh, than the other ones. Um, those are the types of things that are going to kind of garner attention. Those are the types of things that I think influencers are going to want to work with because it's something you know that they can kind of grab onto um, and kind of display their values as an individual and why they're particularly, you know, why they're working with a particular brand. No, that, that's super helpful to, to kind of clarify. Cause I, you know, I, I'm a big fan of you know, follow like Donald Miller and story brand and, and a lot of the stuff they articulate. And, and I know his big thing there too, is that, you know, if you're a small business, you probably don't need, um, you know, you probably don't need branding. You need more clarity. And, and I think probably one of the reasons is that a lot of the smaller businesses tend to offer more like services rather than tangible small products. And in that case, you need to be able to explain, like, let's say going back to the you know example that we're talking about now with outreach, like you probably, no one really cares about your story about it, but they want to understand like what it is, what influencer marketing is and, um, you know, how it's going to help them. And once they understand that, then they're more likely to, to look at it. Yeah, I think in the majority of cases, people are looking uh, to see what's in it for them. You know, what, what value can they sort of get out of it? Um, I do believe that at, at certain times, um, people, people are, uh, you know, can be in, uh, persuaded by the story. Uh, you know, for Ninja Reach, for example, um, I know that the fact that it was a startup and that it was kind of a couple, couple dudes 
uh, in their basement, so to speak. Uh, people were drawn to that and they were, you know, more inclined to kind of go with us over maybe some of the, the bigger competitors, um, you know, who were considered like, you know, uh, your, your Microsoft in the space or something, even though nobody really had that, that level of market share. But the point is, is that people were interested in it because it was something new and, and bootstrap. And, but, but like you said, for the, the vast majority of people are still thinking about, you know, what, what value can they get out of it? So clarity is, is going to be more important. And do you think that, because I definitely agree that people like rooting for the underdog, the startup. Do you think that that connection happens after they understand what it is that you do? And once they understand what you do, it's easier to connect to the story. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. Story is secondary, right? I mean, no, nobody's just going to sign up for a product they don't need just because it's a good story. I mean, that doesn't make much sense. Okay. No, I, I think that's that's true too. Because I do think it is fun when you're kind of rooting for the mom and shop, mom and pop shop, or um, you know, a startup or the family farm. It, but I think uh, all those stories are helpful within the context of understanding a product that you're selling. Um, cool. And so I know, but this is actually you know a chapter of your life with with Ninja Outreach that you have that is actually closed. So you ha- you started up four years and then you uh, then you sold it. Yeah, uh, it was kind of unexpected, to be honest. I mean, we had had uh, from time to time people reach out to us about being interested in acquiring Ninja Outreach, being interested in investing in Ninja Outreach. Um, so it's not a common occurrence. It would happen like once or twice a year type of a thing. Um, and we'd usually get on a call and people would be, oh, okay, it's interesting. Yeah, maybe another time. And sort of went like that. And we just kind of kept, kept plugging away. Um, eventually, uh, somebody did reach out to us and they were, they were a more serious buyer. Um, they had the money in cash because I think they had raised um, some sort of like a fund or something like that. Um, and they, they, were, they were ready to kind of, you know, really buy it outright and, and be very quick about it. Um, but at the point that we initiated the conversation, we were in the middle of a rebrand. We were redesigning the app, the website, we're doing all this work. And so we felt like it made sense to kind of keep working on that. Um, and so we continued for a number of months um, making the improvements that we had kind of set out to do. Um, and this did bring a lot more value to the software, a lot more uh, usability, you know, those types of things, just overall better brand. Um, but uh, a couple other things happened uh, around that time too. GDPR was taking on a lot of steam. We were concerned about our uh, space in the email outreach uh, industry. Um, and yeah, I wanted to come back to uh, America so to get married, buy a house. Uh, so all these things were kind of these risk factors that had me concerned about our, the business. And we had just kind of like all my sort of net worth was basically like in the business. We had invested a lot of money. We hadn't really been paying ourselves all that much money um, throughout the years. And so pretty much everything I quote unquote had was like in the value of the business. So I started to revisit the idea of selling it. We reached back out to the individual who had contacted us six months before. He was still interested. Um, and about two months later, after some due diligence and conversations, we, we settled and sold it. Nice. Oh, that's exciting. And so afterwards started your, you know, five year um, backpacking trip. No, this was actually all at the same time. Yeah. So simultaneously while running Ninja Outreach, um, I was backpacking basically. I, I left to go backpacking in 2012. Um, and then uh, we basically got back in like 2017, 2018. And, uh, you know, yeah, I sold Ninja Outreach right, right around then. Oh, is you're actually running Ninja Outreach from like your laptop ar- around the world or so? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. No, that's great. So what, what did you do in terms of like internet connection and reaching out? Was it just a matter of, would you, 
have a portable hotspot with you? Would you just check in an internet cafe or what, what did you find in terms of like rhythms? Yeah, I mean, it could be frustrating at times, uh, especially yeah. certain countries uh, uh, don't have a lot of Wi-Fi or the Wi-Fi connection isn't very strong. Um, and, you know, I mean, this was also an, a number of years ago, not that many, but, you know, every year is like a lot of progress being made. So, uh, you know, places that like Nepal, I mean, you would be in a, a hostel and just not get much of any connection. So that could be really frustrating at times. Sometimes we would walk around, you know, we'd always be Googling like where the best Wi-Fi connection is in such and such town that we were at, what cafe has the best one. We try to go there during off hours. Um, and that worked a lot and sometimes it didn't. And when it didn't, we just said, okay, fine. And then we'll just move on. Um, I had a team, um, I got in the hang of giving them a lot of autonomy and responsibility, um, so that they could kind of run things, uh, if I wasn't available. Um, and so I, yeah, I learned that like, I had to not be my own bottleneck in a business because I knew I was to be honest, kind of unreliable. Um, so yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, yeah, I hate, you hate to say it, but it's true. Um, but you learn a good lesson about, you know, trusting, trusting your team, uh, how to give them the right level of permissions, um, and then just, yeah, making the best of it. No, great. So it sounds like you basically realized that you didn't want to be the bottleneck in your own team and, and planned accordingly. So in some ways, you're almost at an advantage over someone who, who was just in person, because I think when you're in person, it's easy for you to be the center point of everything. But when you uh, know that you're not going to be reliable, it's easier to delegate things in, in a way that any business owner should do in some ways. Yeah, exactly. And now that I actually am really reliable because I have a house and I have my own internet connection, I still like, you know, practice a lot of that delegation and it just makes, you know, uh, running the business a lot more sustainable. Okay. This is just good habits that you cultivated over, over several years of, of experience that way. Yeah, no, so, exactly. so once you came back and then uh, settled back down in the States, uh, I believe in the States, right? Yeah, Philadelphia. Philadelphia, that's right. I couldn't remember for sure. Um, but now you're running another company, you know, Shortlist. And you know, what has that been about? Yeah, uh, after I sold Ninja Outreach, uh, you know, I was doing like some consulting, uh, but I didn't really have uh, like a plan so much for what I was going to do next. I had bought like a small software product. I was looking to kind of try to grow, but nothing really came of it. Eventually, I started to kind of offer some SEO services, kind of leveraging a little bit of the marketing expertise I developed. And that spiraled into an agency. I ended up connecting with my now partner, David Hensel. Um, and he, you know, helped uh, promote the agency with his network. Um, and we've kind of grown it to offer different services like design and dev, um, growth marketing. I've been running that for about two or so years now. Uh, there's also about 20 of us, so it has a similar feel to Ninja Outreach. We run it in a similar way, uh, remote team, uh, you know, everything from the laptop, that type of stuff, uh, but different business model, um, although we are working on launching some software products to kind of diversify. No, and what have you found as a business, especially like how, how have you guys had to pivot during this COVID season? Yeah, I mean, COVID's a tough one, obviously, because uh, we've sort of been this like pseudo recession. It's not exactly clear. Business confidence is a little low. People are obviously being a little more protective with their wallets. So I think, you know, the natural um, reaction as a business owner is to, you know, look at your costs, what can be cut, you know, obviously like people and labor is the last resort. Luckily, we haven't had to do anything like that, but just kind of looking very uh, scrutinizing, you know, where the money's going and, and cutting back in certain places. Um, but I think at the same time, um, you know, there are a lot of businesses that are thriving. I mean, I know it's hard to believe, but I was talking to a, a girl uh, yesterday um, and she sells like uh, ginger 
ginger power shots. And she said that online sales had exploded because people were looking at them as like an immune booster, which they thought would help them against COVID. So, you know, if you, if you a marketing agency and you're thinking about how can you pivot your outreach to those types of businesses, the ones that are doing well right now, as opposed to the ones that maybe are not thriving. So it's, it's just a little bit of a shift in, in who you target because there are people out there that are actually seeing like better sales than ever. I mean, I'm working with like a face, face shield company, right? Like they produce face yeah, shields. Yeah, that's great. You know, wouldn't have expected that to be a customer like six months ago, but here you are. Okay. And then, and then when it comes to, especially with some of the groups in terms of the marketing they're doing, you know, what kind of tips do you have? Is it, have you been encouraging, you know, like, um, like emailing and social or what has been your overall strategy now that people aren't meeting in person as much anymore? Yeah, I mean, with each company, it is it is always custom. It is always unique to kind of understand their situation and what's going to kind of make the biggest difference for them. Um, sometimes, yeah, that's that's emailing. We're not as big in the social media personally, just like as an agency. Um, we do a lot of SEO work, and we think that that online is going to be where 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 the future is. Um, and I, I mean, I think that's pretty clear. But there are quite a lot of businesses that really don't have a solid online presence. They don't have a, a really a, a great website they don't have like a checkout process um, and they've realized that that's something they need to fix so we're really kind of just pushing towards now's the time to kind of get all your ducks in a pond for you know online online related uh, digital strategy no I, I mean I think that's true is that you're right people they might have known before that they needed to go online but now they especially know that guess what we really need to get things in order um, you know in order to yeah be able to function in as a business. And I think all the businesses that do have an online component uh, are the ones that are, have been much more likely to thrive than those that are simply brick and mortar, have to interact in person, no online component at all. Yeah, 100%. Do you usually find, is there, when it comes to businesses communicating, do you have a priority ranking system? I know you said, because exactly, businesses can, could waste a lot of time on, on social if they're not careful. Uh, and not actually cultivate anything that actually leads to sales. Is there kind of a, a process workflow that you recommend, whether it's, yes, get your SEO in line? Like, what is that hierarchy of needs from your perspective? Obviously, every case is a little bit different. What is that hierarchy of needs for, for people when it comes to online presence? I think that, you know, it takes a little bit of intuition and experience from worked with businesses in different niches, different business models to have uh, an idea about what channel you think is going to work best for them. Um, so, you know, social media might work really well with like a fashion consumer brand, uh, but not as well with uh, some other B2B business or something like that, for example. And so, um, once you've kind of got that idea about where to invest, uh, then you just kind of prioritize it and you have to kind of commit enough time and resources to actually give it a shot. Well, that's, I think the mistake that a lot of people make, um, they do a little bit of social, it doesn't work. They do a little bit of SEO, it doesn't work. And the reality is, is that if you just kind of do a little bit of a lot of things, like nothing's going to work, you have to actually really kind of dedicate yourself to something um, to actually kind of make uh, headway with it. Um, but yeah, there are instances, like you said, where you could put as much time as you wanted to like social and it just wouldn't be a good decision to make or like paid advertising or something like that. They just wouldn't really make sense. So that's where, you know, having the, the intuition, uh, you know, the, the experience to kind of say, okay, this is where I think you should put a lot of time into um, is, is really beneficial for the businesses. No, I really like that quote. That if you spend, uh, I think, a little bit of time doing a lot of things, it's, it's really not going to lead to anything at all. Like, I think you're right. It's like, oh, we need a SEO, just spend a little bit of time. And then, you know, people are going to recognize whether you're doing something well or not, or just 
hey, throw a few things up on the wall and see if anything sticks. Yeah, yeah, it's it's super common because people honestly they like get frustrated very easily, and then they see they're like not making progress, and they begin to question the whole thing. And it is difficult. How do you know like when you you know when you should keep going and when you don't? I, I'm I don't want to misquote uh, Seth Godin with Purple Cow, but it's like that idea I think of like right as you think like you're up on the edge of failure, you're actually just right away from kind of like a big opportunity, right? Like you just kind of have to keep going. So. Um, yeah, it's it's a tough call, but it's you know, same thing with like Ninja Outreach, you know, like like I said, everybody hated it in the beginning, nobody liked it. We kind of kept going, it worked out. No, oh, I think that that's absolutely great tip for for people is, you know, don't you obviously want to know that what you're doing is on the right track. And and so I think part of that is in fact having people who are coaches, hiring people who who can help you along that process to make sure yes, you are in the right direction. You just need to keep doing this more. Uh, you know, I was recently listening to um, just on a, a conference and the guy who's a podcaster he said, yes, it, it took me getting to a hundred podcasts before it finally got easy in terms of like guests and people on board. Uh, but it was like, you know, up until 99, it was really hard. And then it was, they finally got to the point where it started getting a, a little bit easier for, for them. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And, and so for two, I know within short list, like what is working for you guys right now um, for you as a company? As a company, um, I would say the thing that works the best for us is, is really uh, sort of exemplary customer engagement and, and service. Um, it, it is so hard to acquire um, customers uh, because they have so many options and so many reasons to kind of just not, not do anything. Uh, but with any particular customer, there is just a lot of depth that, that, that can be done. So, you know, any business is usually doing some sort of design and dev, some sort of SEO, some, you know, the product launch and uh, blog posting, all these different types of things. And so the more um, you kind of uh, relate, connect with the customer, um, the better relationship you have with them, the more they're going to trust you. And they're going to say, hey, can you guys do this? Um, or do you guys offer this service? They're going to want to kind of come to you first as, as the major provider. So I would say, you know, the, the thing we really do quite well is is the engagement with the customer. Yeah, so just in all stages, make sure that your engagement is is where it is and, and that you're like treating them well and, and communicating. Yeah, it, it's, I mean, in, in the referral uh, aspect, in the word of mouth is, is a huge benefit as well. And you kind of have to recognize when that makes sense, like in your, in your business, but certainly with like an agency or service-based business, referrals are usually going to play a pretty strong role. Um, but we have, you know, a lot of guys that just are, they're on first name basis with our customers. Our customers have referred, you know, their friends or their wives' businesses or something like that. Um, and they've just kind of like come back to us over and over again. Uh, I mean, I think at the end of the day, anytime you can cultivate word of mouth uh, referrals, it, it, those are just extremely valuable because it's you're not having to compete, you know, with just SEO and and competing with with Google. But anytime someone trust someone you trust gives you a recommendation, you're just more likely to take that over hands down any number of what Google says or or what the the web say. Yeah, I mean, way more likely. Uh, I mean, I think we can all relate to somebody saying, oh, these guys are good. And that basically, unless those people really screw it up, um, yeah. <laughs> essentially going to go with them. <laughs> no, I, absolutely. And I think it's, it just boils down to trust, is that with there's so many people out there, anytime you can build trust, you know, you're more likely to to connect with people and, and more likely to, yeah, give them, you know, money in return for, for a service rendered. Yeah. And, and so I'm, I am curious too, I know as... With some of your goals of doing more, you know, 
podcasting and with that, what what has that been like for you and that journey? So I know for me, part of it was, you know, having started running a video production company, I, you know, I just realized that I was spending a lot of time producing content for, for other people but I wasn't producing enough stuff for, for myself. And I was like, why, why am I taking all my skills helping other people? But at some point, I want to create stuff where people can connect with me that I enjoy doing just for me as one of my goals as opposed to always paid client work. Uh, what has that journey been like for you? Yeah, so I mean, podcasting has been kind of an interesting thing lately because um, first of all, I, I'm trying to appear as a guest on more podcasts, but we also have a podcast our own called How We Solve, and we've been having guests, and I've been like hosting that a little bit. So I've kind of been on both sides of the coin, and um, I had done a lot of podcasts in the past, never actually having my own, but just been a guest. Um, But then I took like a break for a while. I just kind of like, you know, I was moving on to kind of other things. The last time I was on a podcast, we were in the thick of it with Ninja Outreach, and, you know, essentially the story was incomplete. I didn't really know, uh, you know, how it was going to go, um, and so we were just talking about kind of where we were. But now, kind of going on a podcast, I can, I can look back, tell the entirety of the story, see, you know, what, what we did wrong, um, what went well, go all the way up to sale, and just kind of really put, you know, complete base of that story. So that's been really enjoyable of being a guest. Um, on the other side, like I said, uh, you know, I now have been very recently uh, being a host of a podcast, and that's kind of given me an opportunity to hand select the people that I'm interested in talking to and, and basically just probe them with questions and have them answer for like 30, 45 minutes. Um, and I'm kind of getting exposure to a lot of businesses that I, I don't normally get to talk to. I'm, I'm usually talking with people in like marketing tech and software and stuff like that. It's just kind of like the space that I'm in. Uh, but like I said, I had a conversation with uh, the, the girl who does like ginger shots and stuff and like a food based business. And I have another call with a guy who has like a t-shirt company, like a, a million dollar collar. Um, so just kind of getting exposure, learning about these different businesses and markets and what's unique about them and, and, and everything has been really interesting. No, it sounds good. I mean, I think same on my end is that it has been a great opportunity for interacting with people and and learning, and it also at the same time just producing content that I think is 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 helpful and and adds value to, to other people's lives. And so, what was the name again? I'll make sure I include that in the show notes. The names of the companies. The, your uh, your podcast. Ah, uh, my podcast. Yeah, it's called How We Solve. How we solve. All right. We'll have to have that in the show notes there. So, well, anything you else want to add? I mean, it's been great talking with you. I know you've had just a lot of great tips. Uh, thanks for bouncing around, you know, ideas related to when companies need, you know, branding versus clarity. Um, and it's just a great story. Where, where can people check some of your stuff out? Did, I'm, I'm assuming would you've taken some pictures uh, during your, your travels at all? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do actually have a blog. Um, it's called acouplevelers.com. Um, although we haven't updated it too much recently just because there's no one's traveling. traveling. <laughs> you know, I said nobody's traveling. Uh, but if you're looking to just kind of get lost in, uh, in the idea of travel, it, it definitely has a lot of interesting destinations. Um, shortlist.io is obviously my marketing agency and you can, I can be reached at Dave at shortlist.io. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, hey, David, thanks so much for being on the podcast. It's been fun here about the story and um, just hearing how things are going, especially in the middle of, uh, you know, COVID and but at the same time finding ways that now is really the, the best time best time out of all to to make sure you get your business ready for for online if you haven't already. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Wesley. All right, thanks so much. All right, have a good one. And that wraps up another episode of No Fat Cats. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you had some great takeaways. And I think it showed just how much it's possible to do in this era of remote work as a lot of companies are really trying to figure out what it looks like 
uh, to do remote work? Do, do, do we even need offices for a lot of the things we do? Facebook and, and Twitter were announcing that up to like half of their employees were going to be remote. And, you know, here's a guy who's able to start a company that he then sold while backpacking, uh, you know, around the world in, in a lot of different places. And so, uh, you know, I think it just is encouraging us to rethink what it looks like in terms of quality of life, what we want, and for you to think through, you know, where do you live right now? And don't let that be a limitation for you to thinking for whether or not you can actually accomplish what you want. And I think that's the big thing is that right now with things being online, now is really the time to, to start your strategy to, if you don't have a clear one to come up with it, so that way your business can operate online, so that way you can create content online without having to be based out of one particular spot. So I would love to hear from you, how have things been, how's your work been affected? How are you being able to interact with people in new ways that wasn't possible before due to mainly just expectation changes? So while before people expect you to be in person, now everyone's a little more okay and actually encouraging of you being far away and not right next to them as long as you can do things over over the internet. And so I would just love to hear what that process has been like for you guys. Reach out, shoot me an email, wesleyintermotionmedia.com. Also, I'll just if, if you enjoyed the episode, I'd love to get uh, a review. Go on over to iTunes, leave a review for the podcast, uh, tell me what you've liked, and would love to hear more from you guys. So until next week, have a good one. This has been another episode of no fat cats.